you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. We are in Titus chapter 3, the last chapter of this short, wonderful book. When I was uh, in high school, um, my junior year, I had a chemistry teacher who told me some things that absolutely transformed my academic career. Prior to that time, I made A's in the subjects I was interested in. I did not make A's in the other subjects. I never made the honor roll all the way through high school. And um, because some things just weren't interesting to me. Now, I loved biology. Chemistry, not so much. And uh, that probably had something to do with the fact that I didn't really enjoy mathematics, a problem that had developed in the second grade during Mrs. Rollins' tenure as my teacher. She was a wonderful teacher. But I could never win the speed drills in math. And because I would come in second or third, I felt like a complete failure because I have an enormous ego, a huge pride problem, and if I'm not the best at something, I just feel like I've completely failed, which is a lie from the devil. I actually wasn't bad at math, but I felt like I was bad at math, and as a result, I struggled. Now, Miss McDuffie, noticing my challenges, and still believing that I was an intelligent young man, said, Jim, you would make straight A's in chemistry if you would just do a couple of things. Number one, sit in the front instead of in the back where you're distracted and pay attention to what I'm saying. Every class you take you need to pay attention to the teacher because the teacher is trying to teach you something. And if you will pay attention and see what it is that teacher is trying to get across and zero in on that, you'll make an A. She was right. I did that all through college. I skipped my senior year in high school and went on to college and, I mean, my first class was an 8 a.m. class when no one should have to be in class. And, and I sat on the front row and I looked at the teacher and paid rapt attention and took notes. As a result, I didn't have to call people after class and say, what was the assignment? Because my brain had been off wandering like it had in so many classes in high school. I wrote down what the teacher was saying, took good notes. Then I was able to study those notes and see the things that were being emphasized. And I focused on that stuff and learned that stuff. And I made A's. 
Now, why am I telling you this? Because it won't just help you in academics, it will help you in understanding the Word of God. If you realize that there are things God is focused on teaching us, and if you pay attention and zero in on those things, you will benefit. God doesn't need us to do well in order for him to be God. But we need to learn what God is teaching in order for us to be godly. Does that make sense? Now, I'm telling you that before I read this chapter, so that as I read this chapter, hopefully, you will notice some things that the Holy Spirit, speaking through Paul, is repeating and therefore wants to be sure you don't miss. Got that? That said, Titus chapter 3, this is God's word. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and show true humility toward all men. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law, because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person once. And then warn him a second time. After that, have nothing to do with him. You may be sure that such a man is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. As soon as I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis because I have decided to winter there. Do everything you can to help Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way and see that they have everything they need. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order that they may provide for daily necessities and not live unproductive lives. And everyone with me sends you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Many of our listeners already give financially to support the children at Wares Valley Ranch, and I want to say thank you. I'm so grateful. Now, if you've never supported us, or if you'd like to do so on a consistent basis, I want to ask that you consider becoming a monthly donor. With a gift of as little as $5 per month, you'll become what we call a ranch hand, 
Ranch hands receive special communications from us with opportunities to serve at the ranch as volunteers. If you can't come to the ranch, we ask you to become an advocate and a prayer warrior for these events where you are. In addition, you'll receive a t-shirt that we encourage you to wear as you volunteer at the ranch or wherever you are to provide opportunities for sharing about how God has provided a safe haven to children all across our country through Wares Valley Ranch. To join Ranch Hands, go to wvr.org and click on Donate. Once you select the amount you want to give each month, click in the box that says, Show My Support by Making This a Recurring Donation. In addition to providing consistent funding for the basic needs of these children, your participation could position you to connect a child in crisis to the ranch. What an opportunity to make an eternal difference in the life of a child. Thanks again. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is Now, some of your Bibles may have a little heading at the start of the chapter that will give you a strong hint as to what it is that gets repeated in this chapter three times and therefore clearly is a matter that needs to be emphasized. Your Bible may say something like this up above the chapter, doing what is good. Now this is a theme not only in chapter 3, but if you look back in chapter 1, verse 16, it says that they claim to know God, but by their actions they deny Him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Then in chapter 2, verse 14, we read that Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. So now in chapter 3, we see that doing good emphasized again in verse 1. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good. Got it? To be ready to do whatever is good. Verse 8. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. And then again in verse 14, our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order that they may provide for daily necessities and not live unproductive lives. By the way, that is another matter that is tied to this business of doing good, and that is being productive. It would be a tragedy for your life to be unproductive. You didn't accomplish anything. You didn't do anything. But what is your life characterized by? Notice it doesn't just speak of doing what is good. It talks about being devoted to doing what is good. What are you devoted to? I, I know people who are devoted to sports. That's, that's their thing. That's their passion. That's what they're all about. Now, you can use sports 
as a way of doing good. If you're into sports, you better be praying seriously about how you can use that for the glory of God. And say, Lord, I'd rather give up athletics than be distracted from serving you. But if you can use that gift that you've given me athletically for your glory, praise God, I want to do that. You can do that with music. You can do it with baking. You can do it with whatever God has equipped you to do. But your focus needs to be not on sports, not on baking, not on whatever it is. Your focus needs to be on Jesus. And you need to be seeking to use what he's gifted and equipped you to do for his glory. Devoted to doing what is good. Devoted to it. So, is that how we're saved? No. That's why we're saved. God saved us so that we would spend our lives in his service ministering to others with the gifts that he's given us. But that's not how we're saved. I've told my family I want this passage Chapter 3, verses 3 through 7, read at my funeral. This is, to me, one of the most beautiful, powerful passages in the Scriptures. Look at what it says in verses 3 through 7. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. That's how we're saved. I can't count the number of people who've come to me over the years wanting to be sure that they've done whatever they have to do in order to be saved. Well, they haven't. Because if you think salvation is something you accomplish by doing the right thing, you still haven't understood the gospel. Here's the gospel. He saved us. He didn't save us on the basis of something we've done. Because whatever good things you've done, it's not enough to make things okay. Yesterday, we had a fabulous feast at my house for Mother's Day. Several of my children were there, a number of my grandchildren. It was wonderful. We had a great time. And in the kitchen, there was conversation about recipes and things that have worked over the years and things that have not worked over the years. And one of my daughters-in-law was sweetly telling the story of one of her baking disasters. And she shared this partly as a humorous answer. Well, actually, she shared it 
as a response to my saying that no one who messed something up could possibly mess it up as badly as I messed up my son's birthday dinner years ago. I always take it upon myself to do the meat, okay? My wife is a fabulous cook, but I like to contribute something to the meal, so my contribution is I cook the meat. And on this particular occasion, I bought some really nice, thick, expensive steaks, and I built a wonderful fire, I thought, in the grill out back. And I turned those beautiful steaks, those expensive, wonderful steaks, into lumps of coal. It was just really sad. I mean, I burned them to a crisp, just absolutely incinerated them. It was awful. And they, of course, are sitting there trying to be polite, and I'm saying, you don't have to eat it. You don't have to. But I mean, it was like crunch, crunch, crunch. I mean, it was just awful. And she, I said, nobody could ever make a bigger mistake than that in cooking. And she said, well, I don't know. And she proceeded to tell about something she had done, which sounded not nearly as bad to me. <laughs> but she said it was so bad that even the chickens wouldn't eat it when she threw it out. And she said before she gave up on it, she kept adding other ingredients to try and make it better. And she said, and of course, all that did was waste those ingredients. That's the problem with us trying to save ourselves. We've already messed it up so badly that when we try, start trying to save ourselves by adding more stuff onto it, we're just making matters worse because what we're saying is, God, I know you're holy, but you can't be so holy that I can't live up to your standard. God, I know I've made mistakes, but really my mistakes are not that big that I can't overcome them. Let me tell you something. Our only hope is the gospel. And the gospel is that God saved us. When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. That's how we're saved. We are saved by grace through faith for good works. He doesn't save us so that we can just continue in sin. He saves us so that we can live a transformed life. Not trying to earn his love, not trying to earn his mercy, then it wouldn't be mercy. It wouldn't be grace. But we are devoted to doing what is good because we're grateful to the God who saved us. We want to say thank you with our lives. This is what Paul's talking about in his letter to the Ephesians. A more familiar passage for most people. Verse 8 through 10. For it is by, this is of chapter 2, Ephesians 2. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. God already has things that he has prepared for you to do. Ways in which you can honor him. Ways in which you can 
minister to others in Jesus' name. You don't have to go to God with a list of, of things, you know, God, I bet you hadn't thought of this. I'm thinking I'll do this. How about that? You like that? You need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, what would you have me do? How can I serve you? And you can serve God as a musician. You can serve God as an actor. You can serve God as a photographer. You can serve God doing animal husbandry. You can serve God as an electrician, as a plumber, as a doctor, as a mom. You can serve God in all kinds of ways. The important thing is to approach whatever you're doing as a way to serve the Lord. Lord, what would you have me do? What is the right thing to do in this situation? And you don't have to know the next 20 years. You just need to do the next right thing. Okay? Well, I'm, I'm concerned about, you know, I, I, I see I, I ought to do this, but what's going to come next? I don't know, maybe heaven? You, you know me, I, I have a morbid bent. And so I'll tell you, don't worry about tomorrow, you may not be alive. <laughs> well, that's not a happy thought. Well, it depends. If you know Jesus, I look forward to heaven. Now, I'm not trying to hurry up and get there. No. Oh, this afternoon, maybe I'd you know, go over and do one of those skydiving things, only I'm not going to use a parachute. If God wants me to live, he can keep me alive. No, don't be, don't be a, a fool who squanders your life. But don't be afraid to live. Don't be afraid to do whatever God calls you to do. Someone I care deeply about years ago was suggesting that they wanted to hike from the Dead Sea to the top of Mount Everest. Why? Because no one else had ever done it. They would be the first person in history to do that. And I said, no, don't do that. You'd be wasting your life. Well, but no one else has ever accomplished that. I said, there are reasons. Okay? It's not just the physical challenge. It's some of the places you'd be going through where they would take a person like you and take your head off. If God calls you to go to a place like that in order to bring the gospel, praise God. Do what he tells you. But if you think it'd be neat to do that because you'd be the only person in history to have accomplished this thing, you need to pray some more. You understand? I have a friend who, knowing that I'm not eager to develop senile dementia like both of my parents had, said, Jim, if you're ever really concerned that you're losing your memory and you don't want to go down that road, just Take a flight to Saudi Arabia and start preaching the gospel. Now, what was he saying? You won't live long doing that, right? You won't have to worry about senile dementia. You'll be in heaven as a martyr. Woo-hoo! <laughs> That's uh, sort of jihad in reverse. But, but here's, here's what I'm telling you. 
Why are you doing what you're doing? Is it for the glory of God? Are you devoted to doing what is good? Is that what gets you up in the morning? It's because you want to serve Him? You want to please Him? You want to say thank you to the one who rescued you? I was headed for hell. You were too. My only hope is Jesus. Yours is too. If you are trusting in Him, if you know that He has saved us, then I implore you, be devoted to doing what is good. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number. 866-41-ABIDE or contact us on the web at wvr.org.